The Baltimore Ravens have a bye week as they are the number one seed in the AFC, but the coaching carousel across the NFL has begun, and it involves a couple of Ravens coaches. All that and more coming up next year on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Ravens, where your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. And I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, coming at you from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, thank you so much for being here, making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms. That's in video form on YouTube, audio form, wherever you get your shows. Be sure to subscribe, follow along. Same show, audio and video. We bring you five days a week Ravens content plus more here on this show. Today's episode of Locked on Ravens is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code all overcase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. We get some stress-free football this weekend as the Ravens will have their bye week, so they'll be awaiting their divisional opponent here to talk about that. The coaching carousel across the league and a lot more is Jake Luke of Exit 52. Jumbo set. Jake, been a little while since we've talked. Baltimore, obviously, they were on a hot streak when we talked last. They have not slowed down. Obviously, the Week 18 loss to Pittsburgh puts an end to their win streak. But how much can you take away from a game like that? They're the best team in the NFL, in my opinion. And they have a lot to prove heading into these playoffs. Yeah, no, it, uh, it definitely is one of those situations where it's like we talked about it if they uh if they do manage to prove themselves to be the class of the afc well guess what you still got some more questions to answer about uh your your record in the postseason here the last several times you've been so yeah it's gonna be interesting to watch yeah it's it's exciting too i think there's the buzz around baltimore right now was really awesome i think the vibes have been there across the team the entire i mean we talked about odell and just well is it an overpay of a cut what does that look like but you know what odell's i think one worth the money and you can look at his stats and say, what are you talking about? They brought him in to be this 1A guy. And, well, it goes far beyond that. Plus, I think we saw the ramp-up period for him. And he, I think, has been everything and more when it comes to being a leader. And you know what? Like we saw in Week 17 against the Dolphins, he can give you that vintage Odell play every once in a while. Yeah, right. And it's like these people that talk about, oh, well, it was an overpay. Well, it was a one-year deal, right? And it's not your money. It's not my money. Like if you're talking about, you know, Deshaun Watson over six years for whatever amount he signed for fully guaranteed, I'm willing to have that conversation for sure. But one-year deal, whatever they paid him, $15 million, I guess, you know, you, you paid him for these moments. And he's come down big. He's come up big down the stretch. And uh, he's certainly to be relied on in these playoffs here. So hopefully he got rested up in that game that he took off. And he will this weekend. And he's going to be uh, ready to rock for whoever they see. Yeah, another thing with that, too, is I think it was also, you know, them saying, hey, Lamar, we'll go out there and get you a guy. I know it was the whole conversation him. I think, what was it, requesting Odell or slash and DeAndre Hopkins. I can't even, I try to block that whole contract saga out because of how just crazy it was. But I think it was a great move for them in terms of that. But with this whole thing now, Jake, the Ravens, again, stress-free football. But I think there's a little bit of stress when it comes to the coaching carousel beginning because the Ravens aren't where they are today without their coaching staff, especially some of those assistants. And we got word on Monday at the time of this recording, what we know for sure is Mike McDonald has reportedly been requested by the Washington Commanders. Same thing with Anthony Weaver, their defensive line coach. So 
two guys who look 100% deserve it. And I know the whole joke is, oh, McDonald's terrible. You don't want him. It's all, all That's the thing. And I think it actually has fooled some people on social media because it's people have been so adamant about it. But look, if we're being honest about the situation, McDonald's has been the architect of that defense. Not just him. Obviously, he has the personnel in Baltimore to kind of do what he wants, and they've executed at a high level. But McDonald's someone who's deserving of a head coaching job. How realistic is it that maybe he actually leaves after this whole thing is done? Because he's certainly getting looks. I mean, he already has so far. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe a cop-out answer, but we can't know. But we also can't assume that, like, oh, hey, he's in a great situation. And look at Eric DaCosta. Like, he stuck around. Like, you and I were talking before we got going. Like, it's a very PR forward type role to be an assistant coach like that. And I think Ari Gold has a line in Entourage, which is funny to think about in a moment like this. But he says something to the effect of, I don't manage talent. I manage temperature. And right now he's cold. Well, right now, Mike McDonald is as hot as you can be. And, you know, let's say he stays with the Ravens. Like, sure, he's still in a good situation next year. But a lot of pending free agents here. We're going to see what happens with Matt Abike. We're going to see what happens with Queen and Geno Stone and some of these guys that are up for a deal. We're going to see what happens with this assistant coaching staff. Let's say Anthony Weaver does get hired away. We'll see what happens with Chuck Smith. Like, he's hot too. Like, what if you lose this infrastructure and then all of a sudden a year from now, yeah, you're still in a good situation. And yeah, you might actually be that heir apparent to Harbaugh, but maybe you miss your chance uh, if, you know, you come back and things don't look quite as good as they do a year from now. So it wouldn't shock me, man, if he does start to take some interviews and, for all the, uh, you know, poo-pooing about Washington, they've got a new ownership structure in there right now. I mean, everyone was critical of Dan Snyder. I certainly was over those 20 years, and it was well-deserved. But seems like things are, are, you know, maybe on the come up for them a little bit as far as ownership goes at the very least. So maybe that could be a desirable landing. They've got, what, the second overall pick, third, something like that? They'll, they'll have a chance to get themselves the quarterback that he wants to build around. And worst-case scenario, you got Sam Howell there, and he showed some stuff this year that he could be at least be a solid bridge guy. So – not the worst situation you could fall into. And also he has ties there. I think his wife was a cheerleader with that organization. He's not going to have to move his family. I wouldn't think, uh, I, I don't know if he has kids yet, but maybe if he does have one on the way, that, that could be ideal. So. Yeah. And I think also you brought up a good point with the whole Harbaugh situation. I, I think that it's being assumed right now that, Oh, well, if the Ravens, they win the Super Bowl, Harbaugh is going to step into a front office role and McDonald's going to take over. And it's this kind of like perfect storybook ending to a storybook season and honestly jake i don't know if you saw any of this during greg roman's tenure but everyone was like oh well just demote greg roman he'll take the demotion and just keep him as like a run guy like greg roman was never gonna do like that it's it's again these storybook things i understand that you know that would be awesome but john harbaugh loves coaching it, it is in his dna we, we saw his parents after jim harbaugh goes to the champ how fired up they were John Harbaugh, I think, still has a lot of coaching left in him. I don't think this is a dancing video in the locker room. Have we seen him as jacked up in years? Like, I I don't think so. I think this this season might have even reignited the love for it a little bit because I think we were talking on our podcast, like, some of the body language the last couple of years and even early this year, it was like, man, does this guy really want to keep going through the motions with this? But, you know, this could be that special type of season that pulls you back in. Sorry to cut you off there. No, no, and it's a good point because – He's kind of, and we know this, Jake, we've talked about it. He's changed his entire coaching style from early on. He was very, you know, players had to come to Jesus meetings and, you know, the the closed door behind the scenes. And Harbaugh has shifted his mentality. He had issues and players had issues with him in those early locker rooms. But this is a player's coach now. He coaches for his guys. And whether the Ravens win it all this year or not, I just really feel like Baltimore has an opportunity to continue some sort of a level of coaching with him. And, you know, does John Harbaugh have his flaws? Yes. Right. No coach is perfect. There are definitely things that you would 
wish here and there he gets better at. But again, if Harbaugh steps down or leaves the organization, I just, I just don't see it happening. He is one of the lifebloods of this organization. We talk about how Lamar Jackson is the team and is, is the most important piece of it, but it goes a little bit beyond that. So to kind of assume that John Harbaugh is going to step away from coaching, move into a backseat front office role. I, I just really don't think that's in his DNA. And if it causes them to lose Mike McDonald, I mean, I think that in some way, shape, or form, every assistant has some level of a dream of being a head coach. Now, how realistic is it for some guys compared to others? And how big is it for some guys compared to others? I don't know. But look, if Mike McDonald gets an opportunity, we've seen the Ravens that they value their guys going on to other opportunities, promotions like that. They're not going to stop Mike McDonald. And you're right. I think that situationally, things could change next season. We don't know how it's going to be. We didn't know how good the Ravens are going to be this year. We didn't know how good it was going to be. The Ravens have gotten a lot of things to go their way, but for McDonald, maybe he sees this as an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? Baltimore has been good for me just for so many years, but this is the next step I want to take in my career, and I wouldn't blame him one bit if he does, even though it would be a big loss for the organization. Yeah, I mean, he's 11 years younger than Pete Carroll, and Pete Carroll still looks as energetic as you know he did back when he was at USC, and I know Pete might be a, a little bit of a special case there, but I think he and John are pretty comparable from – the way that they build a team, the way they run an organization, they, they just seem like very, very comparable type of guys to me. And the Seahawks, I know it, it hasn't been a super high ceiling with them uh, since Russell Wilson kind of started to fall off. But you get Geno Smith in there, who's probably like a 12 to 15 type quarterback. I don't know if he's ever going to win a championship, but you get a guy in there like that and you're winning nine, 10 games with him. Like who knows what happens if Pete gets a serious quarterback in there at some point. And I know that'll be hard to do when you're doing that high floor model. But if he does luck into one, then maybe you're right back on the horse. And like I said, Pete's 72. John is 61 right now. So, you know, that, that spells like still there, there could be a lot of runway in front of him, especially with how, like I said, energetic and, you know, revitalized he seems to be here. Yeah. And again, you, you see those locker room speed, not only the dancing, hit him wiping the blood on his forehead. Like that's a that's a head coach. That's someone that you're not going to see step back. So I I, I appreciate kind of the the possibility of it and people kind of going well how can we keep mcdonald how can we do this but again you can talk about that heir apparent stuff maybe it happens i'm not ruling it out we saw it with eric DaCosta. maybe it maybe it's a possibility but i think mike mcdonald there is a shot he leaves it's unfortunate but it does not mean that all, all of a sudden if mike mcdonald leaves the Ravens defense is doomed and, and, and there's nothing there with that. So coming up, we'll be talking a bit about Anthony Weaver in that request by the commanders and maybe why he could be the guy to take over for McDonald. If he leaves, stay tuned, plan to talk about it on the show. First, this show is sponsored by FanDuel and the NFL regular season, it is officially over, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. Guaranteed money to place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explorer tab. They can make a parlay in the parlay hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and so much more. So the Ravens obviously don't have a game this weekend on the Wild Card weekend with a buy, but maybe you want to bet on the – Bills and Steelers game, the Dolphins and Chiefs, the Texans and Browns, all that available over on FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and make your first better layup FanDuel official partner of the NFL. We're back our second segment, Locked On Ravens with Jake Luke. I am Kevin Ostriker. And Jake, not only Mike McDonald, he was not the only Ravens coach requested by the commanders on Monday. Anthony Weaver got a request as well. Now, Weaver does have experience. He's somebody that his – Played with the Ravens. He 
player experience, coach experience, and he is absolutely loved in that Ravens locker room. You can tell he's been a big proponent. You know, we talked about Chuck Smith and some of these other guys you mentioned, but Weaver also has been a proponent of some of the growth we've seen, especially from the defensive linemen and even some of the outside linebackers, some of the revitalization maybe from a Jadavian Clowney or a Kyle Van Noy. How likely do you think it is that maybe an Anthony Weaver takes a job here as a defensive coordinator or a head coach? Uh, I, I think it's honestly like it might be just as likely as McDonald. I mean, that's been the whole refrain this season. Well, if McDonald leaves, what happens? Well, they get they got another guy right there. And if McDonald's not the heir apparent, well, they got another guy right there. I mean, Anthony Weaver already the assistant head coach for the Ravens. And I mean, when you look at the guy in front of the microphone, I don't know if I'd say he's more impressive than McDonald, but he's a little bit older, right? He was a player at one point. He can relate to these guys very well. Got a very just kind of even keeled, even tempo, positive vibe that he brings. And like, you can never really know when you're at the level that we are with this stuff, what they would bring schematically. You would hope it would be a lot, but you talk about a culture builder. I was saying this on Twitter today, just kind of an even keeled, positive vibe, culture builder uh, type of dude to come into an organization that needs a turnaround He'd almost, I, he'd almost be a guy I'd be looking at maybe even more than McDonald because McDonald obviously would bring the schematics, certainly, and he does have the right attitude, but maybe a little bit more seasoning. He'd be on Weaver's level as far as, well, this guy can really come in and he can turn the uh, turn the vibes in this building around uh, even better than McDonald maybe because that's the way that I've looked at Weaver, and I think he's just as de- deserving, and I think he could probably crush it just as McDonald could and you know, pretty much anywhere that he went. Yeah, let's say it is the worst case. Let's say McDonald leaves and Weaver leaves, whether it's, you know, head coach for McDonald, head coach for Weaver, head coach for McDonald, defensive coordinator for Weaver. Who would be your next choice on that defensive coaching staff to be the heir to Mike McDonald? Or would you maybe go outside the organization for it? Yeah, it depends on what these guys want to do. I mean, Zach Orr's been in his role for a little bit, and it seems like he's drawn a ton of positive, uh, positive reviews from his players. So, I don't know like what he does day to day on a schematic perspective, but I mean, he was a player to your point. He played, I think he played under wink. Uh, so he, you know, he's familiar with that system and everything. And I'm sure he's gotten his seasoning in that regard. So he would be a guy I'd look at Chuck Smith. You mentioned maybe I, you know, he's, he's only been with the organization a little while and he's very specialized in that pass rushing role. So I don't know necessarily how dialed in he would be on the back of a defense. So those would be the two interior guys that you would look at, obviously. And then it's funny. I saw somebody float on Twitter today. Well, what if Michigan wins a national championship or even not? And Harbaugh leaves, Jim Harbaugh, that is, and he goes to the Chargers or whatever. Well, then what's going to happen with Jesse Minter there? Because it looks like Sharon Moore is kind of the, the heir apparent to Jim Harbaugh. Jesse Minter, their defensive coordinator, he's been in Baltimore. It would be kind of funny and maybe even a little cute to just say, all right, well, we're just going to go back to Michigan and, and just pluck the the X-ray, the young ex-Raven guy who's the hot name in the college coaching ranks again. I don't know if it would quite work out the, the way that it did with uh, Mike McDee here, but he'd be another name that I'd be looking at that maybe maybe John would get a little cute and go do that. Yeah, that's the prophecy, right? Just every two years, you, you bring in a Michigan assistant that was with the Ravens for a couple of years. They orchestrate the best defense in a lead. They get a head coach. You just, you, you rinse and repeat that whole process. I think, I think people would be okay with that if it meant they could have a top, what, one, two defense every single season. But you, you mentioned Wink Martindale. He is no longer the Giants defensive coordinator. Parting of ways there. <laughs> is, is, there is there any option for you? Would you bring Wink back if Mike McDonald leaves? So it's funny. I don't think I would bring Wink back, but he is had attached to his hip uh, Drew Wilkins, and I forget what his brother's name is. Uh, the Wilkins boys have been kind of Wink's right-hand hand men, and they're sort of younger ascending properties. We actually have a little bit of a relationship with those guys, and they're 
they're good dudes um, and they, they have ties to the area. So that could be one that I certainly would look at. And that probably would be a little bit more of the organized chaos, just blitz everyone all the time. That would be my guess. I wouldn't mind getting back to that, but it has been kind of nice getting a little bit less blitz crazy and having guys stay in the back in their gaps a little bit more um, with, with McDonald. So maybe you try to go, you know, a little bit more of that McDonald route, but if you didn't want to go the wink route, I, I like I said, I don't know if I'd hire wink himself, but maybe drew or, uh, his brother, I, I, I'm really sorry that I'm blanking on his name, but maybe one of those guys could be the candidate. Yeah, it could, could be. And I know that for Baltimore, it's not just the coaching thing, but, uh, Oh, it's Kevin. Look at that. Great name. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Wilkins. Good name. Good name. I approve. And now we know it's not just Mike McDonald. Jake is getting requested here. Todd Munkin is breaking news at the time where we're recording this episode, getting a couple interviews here, requests from the Chargers and the Panthers. So look, credit to Todd Munkin. I know some questions about what the fit would be, some early season questions about how he was running his offense, but the Ravens, Man, they hit the money. They they hit the money with their assistant coaches this season because they're everybody's getting interviews. And uh, honestly, Munkin deserves it. I'm I'm happy for him. And and if the Ravens have to reset an offensive coordinator, hopefully it's after winning a Super Bowl. But I think Munkin unlocked a lot of Lamar Jackson of what the potential of this offense could be. I know there are questions about was it the right hire. I think at this point we can definitely say it was. Yeah, certainly. I think uh, he's. Brought schematically what you would want. I think there's a good mix of run and pass. I know some people have gotten up in arms about that at times, but certainly recently it's been a little bit better and gotten good use out of the talent that he does have. And I think, real like to be fair to Greg Roman, I think the the talent the the cupboard was a little bit more stacked in his favor this time around. Certainly at wide receiver, he's had to make a little bit of chickens out at the offensive line position though, which is a credit to him. He's rotating guys in and out, uh, getting some good usage out of a guy like John Simpson who was signed off the street. Um, after kind of flaming out with the Raiders in, in tough fashion. So, yeah, certainly was the right hire, in my opinion. And I, I'm a little surprised that he is getting interest. I really wasn't expecting him to at all. But now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, it's like, yeah, it kind of makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and to me, I think that for Munkin, it is interesting because, look, he, he has both NFL and college experience when it comes to running offenses like this, and we've kind of seen him adapt, right? I think everybody was talking about, oh, the Ravens with Monk, and it's just going to be they're going to throw 50 times a game. They're going to completely just, you know, they're, they're going to change their identity. But this is still the second-best rushing offense in the league. And, you know, a big question, and I had this question all offseason, how's Patrick Carr going to be used? What's his role going to be? Is he still a fit for this Ravens offense? He should have been a pro bowler this year. Alec Ingold had a great year in Miami, but I still think he should he would he would have been my pick. But Munkin, again, it shows he adapts to his personnel. And I think anywhere he goes, he do the exact same thing in a head coaching role. Yeah. And it kind of it really, I think Spencer says this a lot. Like it, it's Harbaugh's offense ultimately, because it's what Harbaugh wants to do philosophically. And if Harbaugh says, Hey, we're keeping this guy Pat Ricard, you, you gotta say yes, and you gotta adapt to what they want to do. And I think Monken has done that very well. Uh, we saw Pat get that uh, get that touchdown there in the uh, the last competitive game of the season, which was kind of a nice cap, a nice little prize for him for the dirty work that he was doing as far as uh, getting in the mix as a fullback and then chipping out uh, as a tight end and providing some extra pass protection. So he did the dirty work all year, did Pat Ricard. And I think it's a, uh, like you said, a, a credit to Todd Monk and being able to adapt to his players. Yeah, and a friend of the show, and a friend of yours as well, Kyle Barber, put out a tweet after this whole thing went down with Munkin, and he's saying, look, it's Munkin, McDonald, Anthony Weaver, maybe Joe Hortiz. He says it really feels like the year they have to win at the coaching staff could get rated, and they have 20-plus free agents. Do you think this is a Super Bowl? Or, I mean, look, the Eagles had this happen to them where they lose in the Super Bowl. They have both their coordinators hired away. They've been in a free fall recently. 
Is there any concern from you that if they don't win it this year, they might not get back? Yeah, because it's tough to keep your stock that high. It's tough to sustain these types of seasons how many years in a row. We saw the Chiefs do it a little bit, but, I mean, it started to fall apart for them too. And, I mean, you mentioned the Eagles. That is kind of the the model that concerns me a little bit because you can lose talent here and there. And, like, the Eagles really didn't lose that much talent. If anything, they reloaded, and they should have been stronger on paper as far as their roster goes this season. But, man, you have a lot of brain draining your coaching staff. That just makes things a little bit more incongruent makes it harder for a transition to take place from one year to another. You lose that continuity. So yeah, that would concern me if they lose two or even three of these guys, God forbid, that, that would be tough. And I mean, you're looking at probably some natural regression to the mean anyway, with how good that they played down the stretch here uh, this season. I mean, if they were to lose those guys, that would concern me a lot. Yeah. So McDonald, Weaver, Munkin, all guys getting interviews and we will see how it all unfolds, but it's not just the coaches, Jake. Could be director of player personnel Joel Hortiz is time to maybe move up in the ranks here. There have been rumors float. I don't think anything official at the time of this recording, but rumors floating around that Washington is going to request him for their general manager job. Now we saw this, the Giants requested an interview with him last year for their general manager opening. Seems like it's been a long time coming for Joel Hortiz. Honestly, he I don't know how he's still with the organization. I mean, great thing for the Ravens that he is, but could you maybe see this being the year Hortiz finally gets a general manager job with the track record Baltimore's had recently with drafting these prospects? Yeah, that could be another temperature thing too, because, you know, people were talking early on in Eric DaCosta's tenure, like, ah, this whole drafting record, it's not so great so far. Well, look at that 2020 draft. It's looking pretty good all of a sudden. 19, maybe not as much, but since then, man, I mean, Bateman in the first round was a little bit questionable, but you had some solid picks in that 21 draft. 22 is maybe looking like his, uh, his magnum opus thus far. And then 2023, you get safe flowers and a couple of contributors here. I mean, Tavius Robinson and uh, some other guys that have been rotational this season. So, you know, things are looking pretty good as far as the draft recently for the Ravens. So Hortiz, you know, again, strike while the iron's hot. If you can get one of these opportunities. And like you said, he did interview with uh, with Big Blue there and didn't get it. Maybe this could be the year. It wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Side note on that 2020 class. I think that they were unfairly, I don't want unfairly thrust into the fire because that was the COVID year. And if we remember, I mean, there was no offseason for them, essentially, no rookie minicamp. Everything was kind of through meetings and you're training on your own. That's hard. And on top of that, guys like Patrick Queen, who didn't have a ton of starting experience at LSU, he was thrust into a role early in his career. And I'm not saying he wasn't ready for it, but I just think that we should have given those guys more time and more patience. I certainly did. And I just said, look, this this could take Queen a couple really, years. I mean, and again, sorry to cut you off, but Queen basically said as much the other day when he was talking about Trenton Simpson. He was like, yeah, man, I got thrown into the fire. Like, I wasn't ready to play the Chiefs in week two that year when he's getting clowned on by Kelsey and whatever in that that weird COVID game where the Ravens got smoked. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I think you make a good point there about that 2020 class. And I said this on our show, like, maybe take that as a sign. And obviously, the, it was a weird year. And circumstances were very different, but maybe just take that as a sign. Don't go too crazy for these draft classes too early. I, I agree. And again, we're now seeing Matabike step up. I think we were on on track to see JK kind of have a breakout year before his injury, unfortunately. Geno Stone is – so it's just like all these players who I think we were all waiting for the Matabike breakout. Well, he's shown these flashes, but there, there's the potential. But when is it going to really click? Just got to – it was the same thing even. You go back to Tyus Bowser, right? He was someone that a lot of people were ready to give up on. 
after his first year or his second year. And obviously the injury has been unfortunate for him, but he turned himself into a very, very solid player for them. And I think Baltimore's honestly done a really good job of kind of adjusting their draft strategy to where they are as a team. That 2020 class, you know, you're, you're taking dips on players, the potential to pay off in later years. But Kyle Hamilton was very NFL ready coming out of college, despite all the weirdness about his 40 time and that one rep during the stadium practice. Linderbaum was very NFL ready, despite, you know, all the size stuff, which again, I, I don't put as much stock in the size as other people do. I just think if the guy can play, the guy can play. And look at Linderbaum, he can play. We, we know that. So I think it's credit to DaCosta, credit to Hortiz, how they've kind of adjusted how they draft because I think it's all lining up for them this season where the guys in 2020, they're ready now. The guys in 2022, they were ready then, and, and they're even better now. Yeah, and people, um, I think they even get a little bit crazy with these day three picks. They expect, because of the the precedent that Ozzy set, they, uh, they expect these day three picks to come in and just be contributors because they sort of rubber band the time that they eventually did come in. And they think back, and it's like, oh, this guy in the fourth round, he was a contributor. Well, back in 2005, Maybe he had been drafted in 2002 and he came in and did that. And with these day three picks, like it's a flyer. Like you take a Tylen Wallace in the fourth round. He hasn't done much. Well, guess what? In one play, he wins a game for you on a punt return. And that can just be, that can be kind of that one-time dividend. Sometimes that's all you get out of these guys. And I think that's okay. And I think people need to adjust their expectations for that. Yeah. And I, you talk about this, I'm digging deep here, but a guy like Andrew Voorhees, for example, not ready this year, but obviously there are questions and Kevin Zeitler has been awesome this season, but what's his long-term future is John Simpson, the long-term future left guard for the Ravens. They make that pick knowing, and I think that whole draft this year was they knew Zay was ready. Zay was ready to contribute, come in and be a player for him. But then there were guys like Tavius Robinson. You talked about, I, I expected him to just kind of have this red shirt year learn under the veterans he's come in and he's actually played a role for them and he's been pretty good at it like these guys see stuff and so i think if you're the commanders if you're a team looking for a general manager candidate joe hortiz is somebody that i, I would definitely put a request in for even though there's been nothing official at this point but coming up in the final part of the show we'll talk a bit about the regular season for the ravens some potential divisional opponents with the playoff field officially set and a lot more plenty to get to on Locked on Ravens. First, this show is brought to you by Prize Picks. And if you're looking for daily fantasy sports, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun. So many have had up to 25 times their money this football season. All you have to do is select two or more players, pick more or less in their projected stats, and place your entry. And basketball season is in full swing. You cannot pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. League ratings specifically for combo projections that include two or more players in different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey, you can pick those guys at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus reception. And if you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks favorites, like rapper Meek Bill and comedian Andrew Schultz. You cannot find the community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. Price picks even offers a reboot policy. So you're interested in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, we have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return on the second. That player is rebooted. Price picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. We're back rounding out Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with Jake Luke. And Jake, playoff field is set. You got the two-seeded Bills after they defeated. Miami's just collapsing right now. They're so injured. But they beat the Dolphins. They get the two-seed. It'll be the Bills versus the Steelers. Somehow Pittsburgh just does not 
give up and does not die. And they are in this whole thing. Two versus seven is that. Then you have the Chiefs and the Dolphins, that 3-6 game. Dolphins traveling to Arrowhead. Th- that weather is not, what is it, negative 10 or something. It's supposed to be the just unbelievable. And then you have the 4-5 Texans and Browns, which honestly to me might be the best game of the weekend if you got to look at it. Out of those teams, who who's a team or maybe two that maybe give you the most pause if you're looking at the Ravens for a possible opponent? And on top of that, do you think there's any team that honestly at this point could beat them, or do you think this is the Ravens conference? Everyone's going to turn right to the Flacco thing, and I totally get it. Uh, that would be the big you know narrative game uh, that would draw a ton of national attention and a ton of attention here. And you know they, that would be a tough game. I mean, the Browns they obviously came in here and they they kind of punked the Ravens a little bit in that second half of the game that they went on and won. But that was also a little bit of a fluky one. He had a pick six, bounce off a guy's helmet. You know, a couple couple crazy things happened. But I do credit the Browns in that game. They they really punked him on both sides of the line in that one. Uh, Deshaun Watson played out of his mind. But you don't got Deshaun Watson anymore. You've got Joe Flacco. And it's funny, everyone's looking at the Ravens for this whole rest versus rust thing. Well, Joe Flacco had the, the magic role in there for a minute. He had a couple fluky plays too, I would say, which, you know, it's funny being on the other side of that because I, I think we, uh, you know, maybe a decade ago were on the benefit of, of, of a few of those. But. You know, he takes a week off and all of a sudden you're back in the lineup and you're back playing live reps and you're down in Houston. And what I think would be a pretty, pretty raucous environment. I think people are going crazy for those t- for that team. So Browns would be tough from an overall team perspective. But, you know, I, I do think I'd be pretty confident in the Ravens winning that one. Dolphins, that would be tough if they get Waddle back and they get a little bit healthier. I'd, I'd be a little concerned about that one for sure. I don't think it would nearly be as uh, as much of a blow as we saw. I would be you know, a little worried about those Texans with CJ Stroud just absolutely throwing it through a keyhole the other night uh, against the Colts a couple different times. He's mobile. He's athletic. He's he's going to be tough to handle, I think, for a Ravens defense uh, that has struggled at times against mobile quarterbacks with Minshew making a couple plays with Deshaun Watson, like I said, playing out of his mind in that game. So Texans would be, I, I'd be confident the Ravens could win that, but it would be much tougher than it was in week one when CJ Stroud came in and started as a rookie and just kind of looked a little lost. I think he's definitely settled in. He's going to be the offensive rookie of the year, I think deservedly so. And, uh, you know, I'm not looking, I'm not overlooking anyone, man. I think I certainly overlooked those Titans a little bit uh, four years ago. I think the circumstances are certainly different now, but you, you can't overlook any single team. I think any one of them could come in here and give the Ravens a, a tough one. The one that I was confident on was the, the Jaguars. And I think I was proven right in that confidence when they went into uh, Tennessee and they kind of, uh, you know, did something down their leg there. I'm, I, I'll keep it family friendly, but tough, uh, t- tough performance there by the Jags. So, yeah, Texans would be intriguing. Dolphins would be certainly intriguing. Uh, Browns would be a tough game, certainly. Not at all worried about those Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll just say that right now, and I'm sure my comments could maybe come back to bite me at some point, but if somehow they go into Buffalo and pull off the miracle, I will be doing backflips because that would be, uh, you know, that wouldn't worry me one bit. No, and again, even if TJ Watt returns, if the Steelers do beat Buffalo, not going to be at 100%, and honestly might be on a pitch count. I just that, that, That's a tough injury to come back from. Kyle Hamilton had the grade one and almost re-injured. He had the knee brace on. TJ, I think what the official di- – it's grade two was the official diagnosis well, on that. It's interesting. They say, they're saying grade two now, but I saw grade three floating out after the game. Yeah. Like essentially a full tear. Um, and if anyone's psycho enough to like play through something like that in a big game, I guess it would be TJ Watt. But like, man, that, that's that's tough to come back from uh, from in the course of less than a week, basically. I mean, that, that's tough. So, yeah, I, I, if he plays against Buff, I'd be shocked. I think what I saw is like best case is he plays in like two weeks. So I guess that would involve beating the Ravens. So 
I, I don't necessarily know how that would go, but man, Miami's just, I, I, they're intriguing to me, but apparently, the reports are they again lost their best linebacker, Jerome Baker, for the season. He just came back, and they just again lost him. They're down three pass rushes, I think. Andrew Van Ginkle is not going to play wildcard weekend. They already lost Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb. Xavier Howard apparently isn't going to play, so that's another heavy dosage of Eli Apple, which <laughs> not fun if you're a Dolphins fan if you want that Eli Apple train. Got that interception the other day. Yep. I mean, I, I know Josh was kind of throwing it up for him a little bit, but you know, <laughs> got to give Eli his flowers there. Man, I just don't know if they survive Kansas City. And then what it is is Baltimore can't play Buffalo or Kansas City of the championship game because obviously they play the lowest remaining seed. The Texans are tough, though. This is not the same Texans that we saw in week one. That was C.J. Stroud's first NFL start. Kamiko Ryan's his first game as an NFL head coach. Now they don't have Tank Dell. That's a big loss for him. They haven't had him for a while here, but Nico Collins has balled out for them as their de facto wide receiver one. Their run game is ranked, I think, maybe last or like bottom five in the league. I think a lot of that has to do with the early season Damian Pierce, who I invested a lot in fantasy-wise, did not work out for me. <laughs> but they that. they um they moved it. I also invested in Michael Thomas. I deserve it. But um they moved on to Devin Singletary, who was doing a lot better. And that defense, you know, old friend DeAndre Houston Carson is on that defense playing a big role for him. But I don't know. Texas to me, their inexperience, I think, gives me confidence that you know the Ravens have been there, they have vets, Texans are a young team. But with CJ playing the way he is, I mean, you can't overlook anybody because I think with the Titans, to your point. Nobody expected him to no one expected him to beat Brady in that. And I know Brady was kind of, you know, that that Patriots team was kind of floundering a little bit, but no one expected that to happen. I remember the pick six to kind of end that game. I think people were kind of looking ahead of the AFC championship. I, I know I'm guilty of it. I definitely was. And who knows what was going on in the organization. But we did hear that the Ravens will be practicing, what is it, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week. So that's a bit they're of a change. They're doing a, they're doing a stadium practice. It's going to be closed, but yeah. they're trying to simulate a game environment. It's a bit of a change. I, I'm confident with that. And uh, honestly, they should be because I think they probably had a bit too much rest. Do you think Mark comes back? Is there any inkling to you that Mark comes back in the playoffs at all? May, I wouldn't think this week at all. But, uh, you know, again, that's another guy that if he's going to get a chance to be out there, I think he's going to take it. And I think if he's cleared by the AFC championship game, should they make it? I, I do think he will probably try to gut that out because, like, it sounds like he's been in the building the last couple of weeks and things are looking positive as far as his ramp up. So that, that wouldn't shock me. And again, no way to know. But I, I, I'd be I wouldn't be shocked. Let's just say that. What's your ideal if you, if you had to pick between the Bills and the Chiefs, what's your ideal AFC championship that the Ravens make it that far? I mean, it's crazy to say this, like, because a year ago, like, I, I'd be, I'd think of myself as insane, but I think it would be the Chiefs. Like, I, I just, you know, Mahomes is still looking good, but that receiving core is, you know, it's comically bad. Like, the defense is certainly pretty good, but we've seen the Ravens punk some pretty good defenses here and recently. So I guess I'd say the Chiefs, like Josh Allen, there's just like this chaos factor with him where he just like, you know, and when he's playing at his best, he's hard. He's as hard to beat as pretty much anyone. And even when he's at his worst, there's this chaos factor with him, like I said, where he just turns games into these crazy, you know, carnival fests. And it's like, man, like, what are we what are we even doing here? So that from the chaos factor, like Josh Allen, I would say, worries me a little more. And the Bills as a whole, they're playing well. You saw Taylor Rapp uh, closing that game out with an interception. They've got good safeties outside of him. And as far as Poyer. I don't know if Micah Hyde is still there, but they've got some good players in that defense too. So, yeah, I, with the way the Bills are trending right now, they've uh, they've really turned things on here. Who would have thought they'd be the number two seed a couple of weeks back? And they, they've turned it on 
Sean McDermott looking to some interesting sources of inspiration here recently. I'm sure that'll play a factor uh, as well, riling the guys up, uh, just getting them steely focused, of course, so that that does worry me. Yeah, uh, it's it is crazy because I think the Chiefs have kind of had an identity shift to like it's their defense now, and and I just their receivers have been horrendous all season. Again, Rasheed Rice has been the guy for them, but I think I'm on to you, Jake. I think the real reason you want him is because you want to see Taylor Swift at MNT. I think that I think that's it. You know, honestly, I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, but there are at least two members of our podcast that I know would lose their mind. And I mean, honestly, you get them into Baltimore, you get Taylor Swift in a suite. You get Nance and Romo on the call, a little bit of, I don't know, Jim, you know, pointing out Taylor Swift in the box. I think that would be an elite viewing experience for people on TV. I think I'm planning to be there, so I wouldn't be. But, you know, take the, yeah, take all the attention off the Ravens. Put it on Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. You know, it's all about them. Let's not worry about the game. They're, you know, no game to play, and then hopefully the Ravens come in and, uh, you know, just just kind of make it make it more about business here. Let, let's be a little more business-like. <laughs> You know, one guy, one more guy invested a ton in every first round pick of mine outside of maybe two this year was Travis Kelsey. And man, did he, that was that fall off has been, not that he's not still, you know, one of the best offensive weapons in this league, but career could be slowing down a little bit. I know there's been some rumblings of, of retirement here. Could you see maybe next year at the latest being his last? Honestly, yeah. I mean, like, and, <laughs> This relationship, I don't really know what to make of it. And I kind of hate to dive into a guy's personal life. Like, I don't want to take it down that route or anything. But, like, if he's in a relationship now and he's happy and, like, Taylor is obviously, you know, she's printing money. So, like, that's a pretty good situation to walk away from and then walk into. Like, you're, you're walking out of, like, a, a solid job where you're very well compensated and everything. But he's done everything you can do as a tight end. I think I'd certainly still say Gronk, as far as, like, any tight end I've ever watched, is the greatest. But, like, if anyone wants to say Kelsey is, I, I wouldn't necessarily argue that. He's going to the Hall of Fame five years after he retires. He's got a couple rings. He's made all the money. And he could probably continue to just print money if he attaches his name to endorsements. So if you wanted to walk away after all he's endured from a health perspective, uh, that wouldn't shock me in the slightest. And with the, uh, you know, just settle down with Taylor and just travel the world with her, I guess. There's a lot worse fates as far as a retirement goes. Yeah, he's he's been through the ringer injury-wise uh, a thousand percent. You know, he, he has rings. I mean, his podcast is pretty good, right? He, he has a lot going for him. So I think, again, you, you might move over. And if that happens, I think Mark Andrews is the uh, unquestioned best tight end in the league if that happens. So Baltimore has a lot of things going for him. But to wrap this up, Jake, regular season-wise, I think expectations for me before the season, I expected them to, I think I had them finishing 14 and three or 13. I can't remember which one, but it was in the 13 and four to 14 and three range. How did the regular season go for the Ravens compared to how you thought it was going to go before it started? You know, I had about 12 and five. I think I did have them winning the division. Um, and overall, man, I think it went better than I would have expected. I think where I got a little derailed and I got a little nervous was the early season losses because they start things out 2-0. They go into Cincinnati. They have that big win. Our guy Harbaugh walking up and down the sidelines, slapping people on the back and, like, just, you know, pumping the fists. I was like, oh, man, is it different? Are they going to be – are they going to rise to the occasion? Are they going to be there with the Bills and the Chiefs at the top of the conference? And they take those two losses. And I was down in the dumps, man. I was like, man, we're just doing this again, huh? They're just going to fight for the wild card. Or they're going to fight for the AFC North as a four seed or whatever. And – I cautiously picked them to be 12 and five. I cautiously knock on wood did put them in the Super Bowl. And when I put them there, I was like, well, they might as well win it. I had them winning it over the 49ers. So if that were to play out, I wouldn't be patting myself on the back too much necessarily because it was very much of that grain of salt, very cautious optimism. 
because they had the roster, they had the coaching staff. I was like, they just have to not trip over their own feet. And they tripped over their own feet a couple times early this season. But, you know, after that, they, they've pretty much turned it on and they've quelled my fears and my doubts. And uh, I think this team is ready to go make some noise. And who knows if they win the Super Bowl, but if they can at least get to an AFC championship game, play competitive or make it to a Super Bowl, play competitive. Like you can't ask for much more than that as a fan. And you can't ask for much more than what they've given you as a fan pretty much our entire life. And I know people lose sight of that and you don't want to pat them on the back too much for wild card round exits. And I, I totally get it. They, they need to do more from that perspective, but you know, we're, we're blessed to be Ravens fans overall in the grand scheme of things. And I think this is certainly one of the better years. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're out there listening to this and you're looking for some optimism, I'd say, you know, sit back for a moment and reflect on that because it's been a special season for them. Yeah. And to kind of bring it full circle here, I know we've, we've seen a lot of the Washington new ownership group, saying, oh, well, the Baltimore model, they want to model it after Baltimore. They don't say that if there has not been consistent success both on the field and off the field over the course of that franchise's history. And, we, you know, Jake, you and I, we've seen it firsthand and rooting for this team, being a part and just covering it and everything. It, it is a special journey here. And, and seasons like this make it even better because all that hard work, again, it's been a rough couple of years injury-wise for them and these divisional. I mean, this team has not been to the AFC Championship since they won the Super Bowl back in 2012, 2013. So obviously hoping, as John Harbaugh said, to kind of write this next chapter and look that they have the right mentality. Lamar Jackson does not care about anything, it seems like, but winning that Super Bowl. And I think that's the exact mentality you have to have here. So we'll see what happens with Mike McDonald, with Anthony Weaver, Joe Hortiz, but they're still Ravens for now, still got jobs to do. And hopefully they can do a good job at it moving forward. Jake, I appreciate your time, though. Thanks so much for hopping on. Tell people where they can find you and what you're working on is hopefully the Ravens make the Super Bowl run here. Yeah, anytime, buddy. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Uh, you can find us at Exit 52 Podcast, wherever you get your pods. We're getting more active on YouTube as well. So go ahead and subscribe there. Uh, three podcasts a week throughout the Ravens season. We'll see what happens. We cover the Orioles and some other uh, Baltimore area stuff. Terps basketball kicking off here a little bit more, uh, though maybe you won't be listening for that as much because that's been kind of a kind of a tough run. But uh, yeah, check us out, man. Like I said, a couple times a week, three during the football season, and we'll see what our, our off-season schedule is. Find us on social media at Exit52Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and I am at Jake Luke, and you spell that L-O-U-Q-U-E. Links will be in the description below. And, you know, usually, Jake, it's the, the Ravens would take us right up to baseball time, and the Orioles would kind of just, like, be done, and they'd, you know, be – 100 lost team, but you know, we now have this nice little thing going where the Orioles took us up to the middle of a uh, middle of football season here. And then the Ravens take us right up to spring training, hopefully. So it's been a nice little blend of Baltimore birds here. Hopefully it continues for a long time. And uh, I think the Ravens and the Orioles have something good going both those organizations. So I'm excited for it for sure, but I appreciate you. Thanks again. And thank you for tuning into locked on Ravens today. Coming up tomorrow. Of course, more Ravens content. Be sure to subscribe, follow along audio form, video form, the whole nine yards. I'll see you right back here tomorrow. Locked on Ravens.